into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Hearta Midlothian Football Club, still looking for that elusive win at Celtic Park. I am Laurie Dunsire, here to chat about how very close Hearts came to ending that run at Celtic Park. No, they didn't. Uh, did they, Mark Donaldson? Anybody that didn't see the game and saw 3-2 would be rather confused when they find the stats and the way that the game went. It was a 3-2 thumping. Yes, that's that's definitely a, an accurate way to put it. Um, we will discuss that unfortunate thumping, regardless of the scoreline, uh, on today's podcast. We will also look ahead to the next game for Hearts, which is at home to Aberdeen, as we welcome back a near-capacity Tynecastle for the first time in about a year and a half. And a few other little bits and bobs that will arise on this week's episode of Scarves Around the Funnel. Okay, so before we get stuck in, I don't know if we want to get stuck in, before we tentatively step into the uh, abyss and and try and discuss Celtic against Hearts that was played on Sunday, let's have a quick listen back to the goals from that match. Through and Furuhashi, chancing on the left-hand side, outside the right foot, it's a good pass, Forrest, tight angle, cuts it back to Edward and knocks it into the bottom left corner. And Celtic have the lead here at Celtic Park. It has been coming. It's very well worked. And it's Odson Edward with his second of the season. Just rolls it into the bottom left corner. And it's Celtic 1. Hearts with Lothian 0. Onto the box. Headed towards goal. And it is 2-0 now. And it's Stephen Welsh with his first of the season. Looks for Boyce with a cutback. Cut out by Starfelt. Who then looks to trip Boyce. And Hearts have a penalty. It's Boyce against Hearts. From 12 yard, Boyce low into the bottom right corner, and Hearts are back in it. It's Liam Boyce with goal number five of the season. Rogic, 25 yards from goal, Furuhashi on the angle, goes for the shot, and it's in. Kyogo Furuhashi in the 63rd minute on the angle, just creeps past Craig Gordon into the roof of the net. Kingsley into the box, shot towards goal, and Hearts have one back. Aaron McInef has made it 3-2 with 45 seconds left of added time. So Celtic 3, Heart of Midlothian 2, uh, an end-to-end cup tie and Hearts just couldn't quite um, get that third goal to take the game to, to extra time. A, a bit of a weird one. Now, I'm going to go through the... I'll go through the team first of all um, and then get a quick bit from you in the team but before we get to the game then I want to go I got an email quite a long email from someone who listens to the um, podcast and I want to go through that just to it might echo some opinions of certain of some fans so first off though the team so Hearts started the game let's not beat around the bush it was 
a 5-3-2, basically. Um, or some may call it a 10-0-0 in some ways. Um, sorry, yeah, 10-0-0, that works. I can count. Uh, Kingsley was back in, obviously from his stomach issue that kept him out of the game away to St Mirren. Josh Janelli dropped to the bench. Uh, one thing, Mark, in terms of the team, so Gordon and Goals, Smith, Suter, Halkett, Kingsley, Cochrane, basically a back five. Beningame, Haring, Halliday sitting in front of them. Boyce and Gary Mackay-Steven up front, so to speak. It probably would have been a different starting eleven if Armong Nong Tuye had been available. He wasn't available for um, family reasons, but I believe he would have been in that starting eleven had he been available for selection. Yeah, that's that's what I've read. That's Apparently, supposedly, yeah, exactly. Um, what we ended up with, we ended up with a, a midfield trio, uh, all pretty similar, all disruptors. Um, Benningame clearly better than than Haring and and Halliday, both in that game and and in general. But they were very similar, so we were able to at times try and break it up, but we had no one to distribute. No one to find Boyce, no one to find Mackay Stephen, no out ball. It just didn't work. It didn't work. And and we invited them on to us. And you could say, well, what about the first game of the season? What was different? Well, there were one or two things um, that were different. Uh, again, Josh Janelli, according to Robbie Nielsen, couldn't play the, the full 90 minutes. Uh, obviously, we saw the improvement in the second half. We, we then had a, a kind of out ball um, when, when he came on. But without him in the starting lineup, three very similar central midfield players, all of whom can break up play, but apart from Beningame, none are really good at kind of being creative. And it, we just invited them onto us. We were we were too deep. I, I know we spoke about what we do and, and not having possession of the ball and being comfortable not having possession of the ball. But we knew Celtic would be better than they were in the opening day. We saw that against Dundee. We saw that against, in both legs, against Jablonitz, middle to front. We've, we've said that over the last couple of weeks. Middle to front, they are a decent side. This isn't just about the defeat to Celtic, because no matter who was playing, no matter what way we'd been set up, the likelihood is we probably would have lost the game. But we that first half was embarrassing, Laurie. We went out with a whimper. And, yeah. and it papered over the cracks, ultimately. A 3-2 scoreline. In years to come, you look back and go, oh, 3-2, Celtic Pile, they must have played pretty well if you weren't there. But no, first half, it was it was poor. Yeah. And, and I hope he's learned from that. I hope Robbie has, has learned from that going forward and that there are games you're going to play where you're not going to have much of the ball. You go to Ibrox, you go to Celtic Park again in the league. You've got to have an out ball. And the thing that annoyed me as well, the most thing that annoyed me in the second half, we, we saw it when we started to have a go, their defence, I'm not saying it's rotten, but it's not far off it. It needs to be it, it needs to be challenged, it needs to be tested. But there was there was no issue whatsoever for their defence in in that first half. They could have been playing Danny McGrain in there, they could have been playing Anton Rogan in there, they could have been playing Mick McCarthy in there, and they could have been playing Roy Aitken in there. And I think I've done well to come up with four Celtic defenders from the past on the hoof. But I don't think it would have made any difference whatsoever because the closest Mackay, Stephen and Boyce would have got to them was with a telescope. Yeah, I mean, the first half stats, 82% possession Celtic, 22 goal attempts to zero, seven corners to zero. You can't read into stats all the time, but they were quite telling. 
Um, so the email we got, so I'll, I'll go through this because, like, like I've said before, you know, we appreciate everyone who, who tunes into the show and there will always be different viewpoints. And if someone takes the time to give us a bit of a, a detailed email, we will try, if possible, to, to factor that in. So Malcolm Anderson sent us an email. Um, a bit of a frustrated Hearts fans, and I'm sure some of the things he feels here echo with others who, who are listening, and I get a few of the things in here as well. Um, so I'll read this out. So Malcolm Anderson says, Hi guys, I was born and bred in Edinburgh, and I'm a lifelong jambo. Like Mark, I left Edinburgh in 2010 for the States, and have been living in New York, New York City for the last 11 years, following the jambos every week on Hearts TV. Oh, see, this is a big problem. No wonder he's frustrated. Has to listen to me and Jimmy Sanderson every week. Um, I find myself in a catch-22 situation with respect to supporting Hearts at the moment, and I wonder if anyone else feels the same way. Obviously, I want Hearts to do well. However, like a number of Hearts fans, I feel the team is being held back by Robbie Nielsen and will only reach its potential with his removal. Unfortunately, it's clear that Anne Budge and the board will not remove Robbie Nielsen unless the team fails abjectly. Hence the catch-22 situation, as abject failure is not something I want to see. The game against Celtic on Sunday was a perfect example. Robbie's team selection, formation and tactical approach for the first half was woeful. As soon as I saw the team before kick-off with five defenders and three holding midfielders, I lost enthusiasm to watch. Everyone who follows Scottish football knows that Celtic are currently dangerous going forward, but very suspect at the back. Yet we set up to defend deep and offer no attacking threat. It was as if Postacoglu picked our team and the tactics so Celtic could have a good training run. Um, in your preview of the game on the last podcast, Mark noted it was a certainty Celtic would score at least one, so Hearts would have to find a way of scoring to stay in the cup. He even suggested it was somewhat of a free hit for us, so we may as well have a go. How is it that Mark and presumably most Hearts fans could see this, but our coaching staff could not? Robbie seems so obsessed in trying to stop the opposition that he completely misses the big picture in games. To use an NFL analogy, our head coach seems to think he is merely the defensive coordinator. No surprise that the first half performance on Sunday was entirely as I and most likely most Hearts fans predicted. Similarly, when we brought on more attacking players and changes uh, our mindset after the break, um, the resulting second half was uh, as predicted. Celtic were put at the back and we caused them problems and scored goals. But I didn't even react when we scored. No cheer, no celebration, partly because I knew it was too little too late. But more prevalently, because I knew it would once again paper over the cracks and divert from the fact that Robbie cost us any chance of winning the game. Um, to my point, much of the analysis I heard after the game actually praised Robbie for making the changes at half-time. That is infuriating to hear. In addition, the fact that Robbie did not take responsibility after the match for the first half debacle, instead claiming we could take lots of positives from the second half, just rubbed salt into the wound. He could even he even compared it to the cup final, which is ironic because he made exactly the same mistake in his approach to the game on Sunday as he did in the cup final. Clearly, he didn't he doesn't learn from those mistakes. The first half display on Sunday wasn't the players' fault; they had been set up to fail. Uh, the least Robbie could do was publicly apologise to the players for that. Uh, it pains me to be so negative and it pains me to feel such a lack of enthusiasm for the team this early in the season, but I've just had enough of Robbie Nielsen and his inherent negativity as a coach. Maybe I am wrong and Robbie will prove to be a success at Hearts, but I very much doubt it. Do you and other Hearts fans share the Catch-22 view at the moment, or am I being overly pessimistic? Regards, Malcolm. Mm. Good email. Shall we get started? 
Yes, over to you. I'm, my mouth is dry. <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a sip of Super Bulk or Tenant Super. I agree with uh, a lot of that. I disagree with, with other parts of it. Hearts this season were always one defeat away from emails like that, thought processes like that. But not just a defeat, a defeat like that, what we, especially what we saw in the first half. Fans will forgive a defeat if you um, are unlucky. They'll forgive a defeat if uh, you've put everything in, you've just come up against a better side. But very few, and quite rightly so, would, would forgive a defeat whereby you've, you've, you've put yourself behind the eight ball with that, with that first half display. Now, there are those, as I said to you, I think after the Celtic game, where, where are the, the budge over Nielsen out crew? Well, they're there. And as I explained, they're going to be there. And do you know what? They're entitled to be there because of what we saw last season. We make our mind up most of the time over a period of time. We made our mind up. It was time for Levine to go. He stayed on too long. And it just it riled us. It annoyed us. It poked the bear. And then when he eventually went, it was just it was about time. But it was it was too little too late. So why are we making our mind up now when we're sitting joint top of the table? We screwed up not being seated. But who's to say we would have got through if we'd been seated where I think the last twice we've been seated, we've lost. The league is our bread and butter. However, we're not going to win the league. This is where it's a catch-22. We want to finish in a European spot to to get back into Europe. Um, However, we have the cup competitions as our only likely source of of, of silverware, as as seen by the the, the Scottish Cups. So the League Cup record is is awful. Since 1962-63, Norrie Davidson's goal at Hamden, we haven't won it. That's not on Robbie Nielsen, just. That's on everybody. So we were one performance like that away from those budge over Nielsen out, those emails from Malcolm and things like that. I like the fact he's taking time, and it is measured. Um, People make mistakes. Now, I hope that Robbie Nielsen is able to look back on that game because he's he's as in-depth as any. I hope he looks back on that and thinks to himself, you know what? Fortune favours the brave. That was just, that was cowering behind a door, hoping the big, bad bogeyman doesn't come in. But you know that it's the only door in the place, and the likelihood is he's going to come in eventually and you're going to be screwed. Yeah. And, and that, that's what happened against Celtic. So I, I, want, I want more of a, a kind of broader um, scope for this. I, I want more of a sample size for this. I want to see how we respond against Aberdeen. Yeah. Because last season, we did not respond well at all after Brora. We were horrid. But this season, we've seen Robbie respond in-game with substitutions, having identified things that haven't worked and made a change to that. So there's no point in nailing your colours to the mast um, when, when you're asked to analyse someone's opinion like Malcolm's excellent email. You also have to be able to see both sides of the story. And I can see part of, of Malcolm's side of the story, but this is this requires a bigger sample size. The decision has been made to stick with Robbie Nielsen, regardless of what's going on in the past. If we see more first-half displays 
that we saw at Celtic Park from Heart of Midlothian. His days are numbered. It doesn't matter how you've started the season. I don't think we will, though, but we need a larger sample size. Yeah, I think the the key word for me would be balance with with these things. And, and I totally understand a lot of Malcolm's frustrations. And I think a lot of Hearts fans will share the exact same sentiments. Of course some, other, will. some other fans will, will not, and that's the way of it. You'll, you'll very rarely get periods where Hearts fans or most football fans of a football team will have kind of uniformity. But um, I think balance is important because I saw some people kind of brushing off the Celtic defeat and the result, you know, doesn't matter, go there. I think there's a balance in between because I was disappointed and frustrated with that first half especially because the exact things were highlighted, I don't need to repeat them, Celtic were weaker at the back, sitting in just played into their, their approach. So I think there's a balance between overlooking the performance and the result and entirely calling for the manager's head. There's stuff there that had to be criticised and I think fans were right to be frustrated with that. But you can be in between. You don't have to say, oh, no, it doesn't matter at all. All is great. And you don't have to go full on. That's it. He needs to go because of that result. In the same way that there's a balance between being, you know, being completely defensive and sitting with all your team 30 yards from goal and going completely gung-ho. I don't think a, most reasonable Hearts fans didn't expect us to go to Celtic Park, play three up top and, and absolutely go for it. That would be, you know, that would be that'd be football suicide against a Celtic team who who are still very good middle to front. But you can find a balance between basically sitting in and hoping that they don't score despite letting them have the ball that close to goal. And um, so I think it's finding that middle ground. And one of the things I spoke about on another podcast, uh, a general Scottish football podcast, people looking in, and they were talking about Daniel Stendel and Robbie Nielsen and. It's one of these where it's like these are two of the extremes where we need to find the balance in between because Daniel Stendel, I like Daniel Stendel, I had a lot of time for him and I think in many ways he didn't get a, f- a fair crack at it. But we were almost the polar opposite of of what we've seen sometimes from Robbie Nielsen that there was just no real regard for the defensive side of things and we were Sunday league at the back sometimes under Daniel Stendel. There was a second half at McDermott Park where. All St. Johnson had to do was fire the ball, kick up the park, and they were one-on-one time and time again. We were trying to hold a ridiculous line at the halfway line with a team who weren't were not set out to do that. They were not in a position to do that. Whereas with Robbie Nielsen, we sometimes maybe just don't see enough, I guess, forward thinking. So maybe we need maybe Robbie Nielsen needs to be the defensive coach, and Daniel Stendel can be the attacking coach. Get him back. Yeah, well, to, with something like this, I, I want to go back to the, the Birkirkara away game and we, we kind of set up to not let them worry about us, um, but we were kind of, ooh, what are they going to do and whatever. At times, I think with Robbie, and I, I might be wrong here, but at times, I think with him, there is an element of over-analyzing opposition and yeah. giving them the, too yeah. much credit. Um, and... Sorry, saying that maybe that was a mistake on 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 Sunday, and and you can forgive a mistake if it happens once. It's when it happens more than once, but there, there's a problem. Maybe he's too pragmatic. Um, I felt I the know. second. I felt the second half against Celtic should have served as a little bit of a warning. The home game, because oh, sorry, I sorry, sorry, I should have said yeah. The, the home game that we won, and we spoke about it after the game actually. The home game that we won until he, and to be fair to Robbie in that game, he. He rejigged things, and it helped he did. get the game excellent. back in our favour. Mm-hmm. But the first 
half of the second half especially, it, it was like the start of the game at Celtic Park. We were way, way too deep. And we were kind of just asking Celtic to come on. And they did score an equaliser. And it looked like the game was going to go one way. Credit credit him for changing that. But I did feel like that part of that game should have served as a warning that the approach in this game was not to sit so, so deep with basically a back five. The formation that he tried to use at Celtic Park, I think he thought was the the formation that he won with at, at Tynecastle. And I, I don't think it was. I thought we started much better at Tynecastle. Um, personnel was, was slightly different as well. We went with three holders against Celtic and Glasgow, and, and that didn't work. Here's here's this week's analogy. I always like to kind of throw in a, mm-hmm. a sporting analogy. I'm going to keep it in football this week. Um, and it's to do with results being tackles in a game. Okay, So the broader result last season is one of those that could easily be a red card. Ultimately, as it transpired, he was very lucky to get away with a yellow, Robbie Nielsen. And the analogy there being the yellow means he kept his job, i.e. he stayed either on the park or in a job. A straight red would have been, sorry, but that's that's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. The manager uh, is, is then replaced by or by whoever, like the chairman or the chairwoman or whatever. So that first half performance would be a stern warning from the referee at the weekend. It's one of these, another one of those, and you're into the book. If it keeps happening, you're, you're out soon after. So it's a kind of learning process. That, that's the analogy this week. That's one of, you probably get three of them before you're in real danger of, of kind of, where's the improvement? Why are we still doing this? That's not good enough. There needs to be an improvement. If not, then you're in danger. I don't. I say I don't think. What am I basing that on? I don't. I don't. I don't think we will see that level of performance again because I, I, I'm desperately hoping he's learned his lesson from that. And and when we play Aberdeen, I'm so intrigued by Sunday's game. When we have a full house at Tynecastle, for for a Hearts fan, there's nothing better. So we have to use that to our advantage. I don't think it was any surprise. There were seven wins out of ten in the English Premier League this weekend by the home side. I think the importance of having a crowd back there, whether it was five, 6,000 at the Celtic game, but this weekend it's going to be huge. I think you have to use that to your advantage. But they're only going to get behind something they think is worth getting behind. That's the key thing. It's the old horse before cart, chicken and egg scenario. Is it up to the fans to make a noise for the players or is it up to the players to give the fans something to, to cheer about? A full house inside Tank Castle, when Scott Wilson says, let's make some noise on Sunday, that should be when our hairs on the back of our neck stand on end. There should be a, a hell of a din. We'll hopefully start the game like we did against Celtic. We'll all be forgotten from Celtic Park if we start that way against Aberdeen. No chance. Of course it won't. But it'll prove to me and to many other people that, okay, they now have more of an idea how to bounce back from issues of the previous week. Because last season, we were not good at that. How many podcasts did we have to say, oh, we need to start quicker? It was every single week. The damage was done in the first half. It wasn't quite replicated in the second half, but the game was already lost. This is all about Aberdeen now. He's got a chance to get those uh, who were angered by the first half, i.e. everybody, back, not on side, 
but back in a, in a good mood. Otherwise, you know what? Malcolm's email will not be the only one. We have to do something now. And we've got what a chance we've got to go three games out of three, having won them all. That's huge. And at the end of the season, that Celtic first half might just be a, oh, yeah, we didn't play well in that. But thankfully for the rest of the season, they, they, they did well. He's, he's not getting off scot-free at all. And neither he should. And it was the same for the broader game, because, as I said, he was lucky to keep his job after that game. But because of that game, and because of the first half against Celtic, and the way we played last season, there's still a lot of people, understandably so, that are not convinced. Robbie Nielsen, his coaching staff and the players have a chance to either change people's minds or say, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give them another try. I'll give them another chance, because they've, they've shown they can bounce back. And a little, another bit of balance, I suppose, to, to add as well, is between treating Celtic Park as an unwinnable game and and then the other is not putting into perspective how tough a task it still is. Now, I've got these in front of me, so I might as well go through them. We've not won there since 2009, and I know there's a bit of context around some of this. Some will say that at least some of these managers maybe went there with a bit more of a progressive game plan, but I'll, I'll go through all the managers who've managed hearts and matches there since that last win in 2009 in the League Cup. Jim Jeffries, three games, three defeats. 9-0 aggregate scoreline in Celtic's favour. Paolo Sergio, two games, two defeats. 6-0 aggregate scoreline in Celtic's favour. John McGlynn, two games, two defeats. 5-1 aggregate scoreline in Celtic's favour. Gary Locke, one game, one defeat. 2-0 aggregate scoreline. Not an aggregate, 2-0 scoreline. Robbie Nielsen, four games, one draw, three defeats. 9-3 aggregate scoreline in Celtic's favour. Ian Cathro, Two games, two defeats, six nil. Um, who who we got next? John Daly, one game, one defeat, four one scoreline. Craig Levine, four games, four defeats, thirteen three scoreline. Daniel Stendel, one game, one defeat, five nil in favour of Celtic. So that's it not. Does, it, it doesn't. It doesn't show the method of defeat though. It doesn't. And I, I'm saying there's context, but I mean, I think what I'm trying to say here is Celtic. We can't judge Hearts managers on trips to Celtic Park. Home games in Aberdeen? Yes, even home games with, with, with either half of, of the old firm, or if you don't want to call them that, just Celtic Rangers. But it's a place where we've historically... And, you know, a lot of these defeats I remember, and we had I had similar frustrations that we that we went there and we just seemed to almost roll over, and it was like we were, we'd were we lost before we went out. So I think it's something that is a problem for Hearts. The same way that you said that the League Cup's been an issue for us for too long, and it's not just Robbie Nielsen. He's he's one of those who've contributed to the problem, but it's a wider problem. I think you're spot on when, when it comes to you can't just be judged on a game against Celtic, but it's got to be part of the evidence. It's got to be part of... This is what I've been trying to explain over the last half hour or so in the opening to this show. It's got to be part of the wider evidence and that, okay, well, that just turned out to be a blip or <laughs> that was the, the start of the problems. We don't know. That's why we need a, a bigger sample size. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think as well, manner of, of defeat, it's not an easy place to go. Many, many teams have got similar records to us. So do we, do we, do we kind of the next time we go there or do we go to Ibrox? Do we just say, you know what? I'd rather lose five two going down fighting than 
3-2, which, let's be fair, was there was about five or six goal difference between the, the performances of the two teams. I'd rather have a goal. I'd rather see what they're made of, especially when... I mean, if you know that the opposition's weak side or weak part is, is at the back, just be smarter with the ball. Come up with something. I mean, look at Steve Clark's tactics for Scotland and Serbia. Right? He knew they were a better side. That... That is as close to a similarity as, as I would get. That Serbia absolutely thumped Norway in the semi-finals of the playoffs. It was a Norway side that contained Erling Haaland, but they just they had no match for Serbia. Serbia, I, I, I did the game. Serbia were outstanding in the semi-final against Norwich. So and Norwich, my goodness, against Norway. Um, <laughs> come the final, Steve Clark's obviously seen the Serbia-Norway game and thought, okay, if we go toe to toe, they'll kill us. Right, so we have to come up with, with something a little bit different. So he went long. He ensured that there was a, a player close by, Lyndon Dykes. Um, I think it was Ryan Christie on that occasion. But he changed his tactics for that specific game. Knowing fine well, you go toe-to-toe, try and play through them, ain't happening, you'll lose probably by a few goals. So it worked. There was a way to play that. Now, this is where I'm, I, I, I'm not defending Robbie in any shape or form for that first half display. But if Nondouillet, who had a family issue and was unable to play, if he was going to be the starter, maybe that there was a tactic whereby, okay, let's lengthen this game. Let's not try and play through it. Because playing playing nice football, playing pretty football, it's lovely when it comes off, but there's a time and a place for it. Celtic Park, when you're not going to get much of the ball, is probably not that. So going long gives you a chance to turn a defence that maybe aren't as great as, as they once were, or you will face this season. But we didn't have that out ball. Once Nondrier is unavailable for selection, it's a case of, well, now what? Is it a case of we don't have enough alternative plans? That might be something. That might be something he's, he's got to work on. Uh, if your guy who's going to be your focal point of your attack with Boyce playing off him, or Mackay Stephen playing off him, or whatever, if he's not available, then then what else? But to have three, I don't think you'll see that trio in midfield again altogether um, without a bit more, with five defenders behind them. I think there needs to be more creativity in that side, which I'm sure will bring us um, later on in this podcast to the uh, to the signing of Ben Woodburn, which, while not over the line yet, is on the verge of, of being done with a six-month loan deal with a further option to sign. Um, this is a player who would give Hearts what they need and what they didn't have. We'll talk about him. Part. We might as well talk about him now because, I mean, you've you've brought us to Ben Woodburn and, yeah, just we're recording this on Tuesday, so we're kind of just getting the confirmations now that the deal is done, although there's not a scarf above the head, so it's always one of those 99.9% um, but yeah, it looks like the deal's been done, and I know you've mentioned before. I know the name; I remember him coming through. But you've you've actually seen a bit of him, haven't you? I've commentated on him, yeah, for um, for for Liverpool when when they've been playing kind of pre-season games and other things. Good player, good player. I was I was going back and forward with with his agent, Alan Preston, uh, and he's like, "Where do you think they should play him?" And I said, "Well, three, four, two, one." as one of the two behind Boyce, or a 3-4-2-1 at the tip of the diamond if you're kind of playing a, 
um, that formation or uh, playing a midfield four um, with with him at the tip of the diamond. He's he's a right-footed player that can play coming in from the left-hand side. He's tricky. You could use him out wide as a winger. I I, I would I would like to see. He's like a, num- a number ten, is what is. He he is like a number ten, but maybe the Liam Boyce position when they dropped him back, but this time with a player who knows how to play that position. And unfortunate as that was for for Liam Boyce, was that the game against Inverness? At, yes, uh, yeah, home? he started in midfield. Did not work. Yeah, yeah, that type of that type of position. Just give him give him a bit of liberty, just to to kind of to drift. Um, He's got such a good balance. He's he's a wonderful passer. He's got a, a decent bit of pace as well. That's a coup. That, that's a real coup. I mean, he went on loan to Blackburn um, last season. He's a year older now. I think he's 21 years old now. Um, and he's out of contract at the end of the season. And um, it's a six-month deal. And both agent, player and, and hearts, if it goes well, would look to extend for a year if uh, if things work out. And that's a quote from uh, direct from, from the horse's mouth. Yeah, and I mean, ten caps for Wales already as well. He only mm-hmm. he's only twenty one, so certainly a lot of potential there. So yeah, let's let's hope we can see Ben Woodburn very soon, and he's a a, a really strong addition to the team. Okay, it's all been a little bit serious. It has to be sometimes. So um, let's lighten the mood before we get oh. on to. You're going to tell jokes? Looking ahead. Oh, God, no, that would. I don't think that would work. Um, (laughs) So, last time on the show, we started speaking about food because you were enjoying, and you were enjoying it, uh, an apple pie hot dog (laughs) as as part of the Field of Dreams. How how was the Field of Dreams, incidentally? Brilliant, brilliant. Coming out of a, a, a cornfield after Kevin Costner had done so, just like the movies, it was it was great, and it wasn't a remake or anything like that. It was an actual sporting event yeah, based yeah. on a on a movie, and I'm I'm trying to think if there were any so American. <laughs> oh, it, it is, it is. I'm trying to think if there are any either Scottish football or or British sport <laughs> equivalent. Have you, have you got Do you some, know some was... homework like that? Well, I was just, I was just thinking, um, I was just thinking about uh, if you could try and create Kill Nocky, you know, a shot at glory. Get well, Robert, get Robert Duval to. to, to <laughs> I think Andy Smith was in that movie. Yeah, um, remember Ian McCall? Does Ian McCall not get a straight red in it for like <laughs> scrapping with Ali McCoyst or something? I've not seen it in years. Is even. Interviewing a, f- a few of the boys for Paul's book that were in Escape to Victory, like John Wark and, and Russell Osman, and hanging out with Bobby Moore and Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone being an absolute knob. Um, Costner was Costner was great. Um, I, when, when the doors closed on his little kind of executive VIP um, people carrier, I don't know if his first words were "Thank fuck that's over." I don't actually think it was because he's a big baseball fan. He's a big sports fan. And just to do what they did, and not, not everyone is a, is, is a, not many people in the UK are a baseball fan, but a lot of people would have seen the movie and, and liked it. It's not so much a sports movie, but a movie about a relationship between a parent and a child. And, and just there's so many kind of things. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful movie. And, and what they were able to do was. You're talking about Field of Dreams. 
Feel the dream. I'm talking about feel the dream. Not shy glory. A shy glory. Yes, exactly. And that, that's the other thing. Why not just get a, a British coach to be a British coach in that movie? Why didn't he have Robert Duvall put on a stupid accent? I, I know. Remember, he turned up at Ibrox as well. He was yes, in the Scottish yeah. Cup final, wasn't he? He was. Was that Celtic Airdrie? Was he not at the Scottish Cup? Wait. Yeah. Yeah. What, which was. one was it? Yeah. He was. Um, was oh, it Scottish. Just... Was it Celtic Airdrie 95 when Van Hoydonk scored? Uh, oh, look at this. What's this? April 98. Was he not? I'll be up, was he I'll not? Be up for the cup, says Jambos fan Robert Duval. Yeah, Hearts was he cup not at the Hearts Cup final? I just... He tipped Hearts to win the Scottish Cup. But he'll <laughs> be at Celtic Park. What a shout done, sir. But he'll be at Celtic Park for the sellout between Rangers and Hearts on May 16th, doing research for his new movie about a struggling Scottish team which overcome the odds to triumph. He said, I'm tipping hearts. They're the smaller team, right? I know Rangers are pretty powerful, but I would like the lesser team to win. <laughs> I hope I don't make any enemies by saying that, but it would be nice to see the underdog win. Now, in fairness to Robert Duval, I don't think he said that quote in a British accent. So here's my attempt at an appalling American accent a la... Robert Duval. So we're, do, we're doing the opposite here. He yep. put on a British accent to be the coach. This is my turn. I don't know where or which part of the country this is going to be, but here goes. Well, I'm tipping hearts. They're the smaller team, right? I know Rangers are pretty powerful, but I would like... <laughs> yeah, this is awful. But I would like the lesser team to win. I hope I don't make any enemies by saying that, but it would be nice to see the underdog <laughs> win. That's the worst American accent ever! Shit. It sounds like one of those auto ones, you know, where someone's typed it in and it's like computerized. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, there's there's a good homework for next week. Come up with your football, Scottish football related movie idea. We've seen a shot at glory. What would your? It could be, it could be based on a real Scottish football event. It could be completely fictional. There you go. Remember those like Didier Gat play for Rangers in it, didn't he? It was so it's hard. one of these, you watch it just because of, of who's in it and, and yeah. what it's about, but you don't watch it ever again. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again before the next show. The next show? That makes us sound grand. The next I saw it glory. Yeah. I will too then. Let's both watch it before next week. Anyway, we've gone on a tangent because that'll be next week's homework, so you can tweet at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk with your suggestions. Last week we spoke about food because you had the what sounded horrendous apple pie hot dog, but you said actually kind of worked. Incredible. Um, um, so we got some responses because we put this out there to get some ideas for your suggestions for hearts or Scottish football related delicacies. It's um, <laughs> one way to put it. Uh, but before we get into that, you also spoke about you felt that you remembered there being hearts crisps produced by Highlander. At Tynecastle and the Hearts Heritage, so it's the um, basically the Hearts Museum account run by Davy Allen, very kindly sent an image said um, regarding Hearts crisps. Our my Tynecastle exhibition case has this example on display, and sure enough, it's a crisp packet. It's with a, it's got the Hearts the old Hearts badge on it. It's kind of like the candy stripe style. It's been done in. Um, Cheese and onion flavour crisps. It says the jam tart specials crisps for the hungry hearts. And sure enough, created by Highlander. So you were right. There were crisps. 
sometimes there's little things and you'll probably never have to try and go and kind of get from the back of your your mind um and they just stay there forever without ever being utilized again but that i just triggered something hearts crisps by highlander yeah triggered a couple of other people ewan hall saw this and said i remember these i'm sure my granddad bought me some a midweek game against St. mirren after i trapped my finger in his car door i must have been oh. about seven or eight i love the fact not that he trapped his finger in his car door that's horrible that's very sore but i like when you get memories triggered by someone talking about a packet of crisps and you suddenly you know when you get that i love that nostalgic feel you get suddenly you know when you smell something or you see something or anyway I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I know what you mean. And over here, um, you don't get these smaller bags of crisps. They just have the family-sized <laughs> bags. So I went to get some salt vinegar ones because there's, a, there's a, a shop-owned brand that, that, that I like over here, and they didn't have any left. So there was this thing called New New Orleans style crisps. I thought, oh, I'm not a big kettle crisp fan. So what's this? So mix of salt vinegar, barbecue. And a couple of other things that I like, like tomato or, or, or whatever. And they call it New Orleans style. It, now, they're okay. made in Canada. So they're actually um, a take on a very popular flavor north of the border called All Dressed, A A-L-L-D-R-E-S-S-E-D. And Ruffles make All Dressed um, crisps. And it's, it's basically a hodgepodge of different flavors. And it's it, it's the closest I've got over here to a pro, you know prawn cocktail crisps in the mm-hmm. UK. Yeah. If you combine them with Worcester sauce crisps, that's two of my favourite flavours of crisps. Okay. I think you would get the equivalent of either all dressed or New Orleans style crisps. I've never tasted a better crisp in my life. No. Oh, it's okay. just incredible. So, and again, while we're on this tangent, I was interviewing Colin Montgomery many years ago. This is a ridiculous tangent, but I'll keep this one brief. And. We, we met at Glen Eagles, we were doing some golf event there, and I said to him, well, first question, Colin, but for level, what, is it is it red sauce or, or brown sauce? Is it ketchup? He goes, red or brown? He's like, both. Have you never tried it? He said, try and mix the red sauce and the brown sauce, and put that on your bacon roll, your square sausage. And I think, and it works. No one's ever going to try that. But you know what? It just works. There isn't a reason why it works. There's not a reason why all dressed or prawn cocktail and Worcester sauce works. But there's another thing. Two things that probably shouldn't go together. But when you inadvertently put them together, my God, do they work? Anyway. I'll take your word for it. Um, Preston Pants Hearts uh, mentions about the crisps. Uh, it says, sold these from the pie stands in 1989. <gasps> Uh, 90 oh. season uh, my Saturday job was at Ford's the Bakers and Air uh, worked at every Hearts home game worked with um, quotations around it suggestion that there maybe wasn't a lot of work being done um, he said we had boxes and boxes ready salted ones too of them down in the pans bakery some would cruelly suggest I ate more pies than I sold so there you go they, they <laughs> sold the Hearts crisp so um, ah. but let's have a look. So what, what, what year was that? Like late eighties. He said, really "Press and Pants Heart said he sold them from the pie stands in season eighty nine ninety. Um, Bry Pie oh four. So these are some suggestions for other culinary delights we could have. Um, <laughs> I don't think delights was the right word here. Bovril and pie smoothies, or Bovril, 
Bovril milkshakes. Oh, come on. The Americans would Wait, try that. What, what was it we were talking a few weeks ago about something flavoured Calipo or something? Was there not like a... <laughs> Bovril. Yeah, it was like a Bovril ice lolly thing, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. I'm not making it that shit up. Uh, but was it actually real? I can't remember if we decided if it was real. It was like it, at no, the Euros, it was, it was, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, there was a picture of it, and someone was trying it out and said it was disgusting. But who who comes up with that idea? Maybe Brypie04. Um, Maybe. Graham Cuthbertson says, Hibs would have to be chocolate souffle. Almost certainly can be relied upon to collapse spectacularly at the most important point. Um, and then a few days after sending it, uh, Graham highlighted the Hibs score in Croatia in their second leg of the Europa, Europa Conference. Um, and they did live up to their souffle at that point uh kyle borthwick says uh, naismith also owns a pizza restaurant so he could sell pizza makes sense even naismith does according to kyle I, I i can't verify that but i have no reason to to, to doubt him hmm. um ross says i want an iron broody served in a cup with scatchel on it so an iron, iron... broody What's a broody? Well, iron brew, but they've added di to the end, so it sounds like Rudy, broody, not like broody, like oh, I'm broody, but um, I can put some. I'll put some uh, tumbleweed sound effects here. I got a message from HM Foxtrot Charlie who sent us. He says, "Can you imagine? Sent us some Celtic cigarettes." That look very old. What? Um, I mean, you'd never get away with football club branded cigarettes now, but that would be an interesting one. But there you go. You could brand anything back in the day. Hearts Nonsense says, I mind Rangers were selling Marco Negri inspired pizza, um, Jorg Alberts inspired Broutfurst, and a Basil Bully soup. No. Bully soup. It's not true, it's funny. It's good, but if someone can verify that. Kyle messaged us again, said Julian Creme Brulee. Oh, we're going down this road, are we? We're going down. Play on words. Yeah, because HM Fox or Charlie says, well, he says Pania ice cream, but it doesn't really really work unless you mispronounce his name. Panilla. Panilla (laughs) ice cream, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, Stephen Alexander just says deep fried jam tart. Which is is something that Scotland would probably try. I don't know if it'll catch on. Will did we it? did we not did we not get get, get stick talking about food associated with football clubs and our nickname is Jam Tarts? I think someone quite rightly pointed that out. That yeah. We at, how did we not even think about that in the first place? Well, yeah, when we mentioned, oh, it's a bit too hard to think of a sweet food related to our club. Yeah, that was bad. We we deserve to get stick for that. Um, okay, one one more. Well, actually, Malky Robertson's given us a whole list, but one more person to go through. Um, yeah, let's see what you think of these. He's given us Rudy scratchings, Gino Ginelli ice cream. Okay, works. Bit on the nose. Cheeky Nando chicken. Um, Burger Kingsley Whopper. Jesus. Craig Gordon Zola cheese board. Chicken fried boyce. Oh my. Benny and Jerry's. Um, oh my god. Can I, can I even say this one? GF, 
GMS, great massive sausage. And then um, Malky then says, okay, I'll stop now. Um, what do you think? Are your taste buds... I, I'm, 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 I'm appalled at us for, for bringing that as a potential topic. Um yeah, that's, that's on us. Sorry, that's it's still not as bad as that quiz I did um, not too long ago, but it's up there. But, so, thank you for your contributions, and next week we'll try and cover your suggestions, your your ideas for um, Scottish football stroke. No, let's keep it. Scottish football. Your Scottish football movie or, or TV show, whatever, you know. Let us know. Right, before we talk about the Aberdeen game on Sunday, I've got a very quick Hearts and Aberdeen quiz for you. Quick five questions, because uh, I, I still need to make up for that awful quiz that I did, and there was too many questions as well. So I've got five questions for you. They're all player-related, so this is all players who have played for both Hearts and Aberdeen, and okay. you've got to give me the player. Simple as okay. that. Simple as Do you that. want me to wait until all five or, or yes. before answering? So okay. um, for those who've not heard before... Uh, I will go through each question, I'll give Mark a chance to think about it, and then we'll do the answers afterwards. So if you would like to play along at home, you may do so. Okay, so I'll, I'll take it from the point of view, I'll, I'll be the player. So first up, this is an easy one, this is, this is like the start of who wants to be a millionaire, the, is it 100, 100 quid it starts on? Is that what it is? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't watch it, but something like that. I've scored a hat-trick for both Hearts and Aberdeen. Four of the goals were penalty kicks. So I'm a player who's played for both Hearts and Aberdeen, and I have scored a hat-trick for each team. Four of the goals of the, in those hat-tricks of those six goals were from the penalty spot. Question two. I played for both Hearts and Aberdeen, and I was the first player in Scotland to get a red card overturned using video evidence. So, played for Hearts, also played for Aberdeen, and I was the first player in Scotland to get a red card overturned using video evidence. Question three. I've scored twice against Aberdeen for Hearts, including one in a 4-1 win at Tynecastle, but I would also play twice for Aberdeen against Hearts, and in one of those I lost 5-0 at Tynecastle. So played for both clubs, scored a couple of times against Aberdeen for Hearts. One of those was a 4-1 win at Tynecastle. And these the, these games, I, I keep them in our time watching Hearts. Just in case you're wondering, it's like 1957 or something. Um, but I would also play twice against Hearts for Aberdeen. And one of those games was a 5-0 defeat for Aberdeen at Tynecastle. Question four. One of uh, only four goals that I scored for Hearts came against Aberdeen. It was actually a cracking goal as well. Um, I later, much later, played for Aberdeen against Hearts. That was 14 years later, actually, after that goal. So I scored a goal against Aberdeen once for Hearts, a cracking goal. 
um, 14 years after that goal, I would actually play against Hearts for Aberdeen. If it, if it helps, the cracking goal was at Tynecastle in 1998. There's going to be a few guesses in this one. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I've scored for question five. I've scored at Pataudry for Hearts, and I've been sent off at Tynecastle for Aberdeen. Also scored against um, Aberdeen at Tynecastle as well, for what it's worth. But I've scored at Pataudry for Hearts, and I've been sent off at Tynecastle for Aberdeen. Good I think I think you should get that one. Um, okay, so let's go back through them, see how you've done. So question one, you've got to guess one. I've scored a hat-trick for both Hearts and Aberdeen. Four of them were penalty kicks. Paul Hartley. Yes, of course, scored a hat-trick in 2006 for Hearts against Hibernian at Hamden. And in 2010, on his Aberdeen debut at home to Ackies, also scored a hat-trick. All of the three goals against Ackies for Aberdeen were penalties. One of the three against Hibs was a penalty kick. He wore the captain's armband for Aberdeen in that game. That was his debut, was a captain. Wow. And, he also, and he ended that game against Hibs with the captain's armband as well. Um, question two. I played for both Hearts and Aberdeen, and I was the first player in Scotland to get a red card overturned using video evidence. This is left field, but something something's in my mind again alongside the Highlander Hearts crisps that says Jim Hamilton is that right? Yes, very yes. good Jim Hamilton played for Hearts between 96 and 99 of course, won the Scottish Cup moved to Aberdeen for £300,000 in 99, didn't work out was sold to Dundee United less than a year later in 2001 Dundee United successfully appealed against a red card issued to Hamilton for violent conduct in a match against St Johnston. Um, the decision was taken after video footage of the incident it involved Hamilton and Darren Dodds um, was reviewed. Uh, both players were ordered off after tangling at the edge of the St Johnston penalty box, but that was overturned. Mm. First time using video evidence in Scotland. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, question three. I've scored twice against Aberdeen for Hearts. One of those was in a 4-1 victory at Tynecastle. I then play twice for Aberdeen against Hearts. One of those games, I lost 5-0 at Tynecastle. So he lost 5-0 when he was playing for Yes, Aberdeen so Hearts he beat Aberdeen 5-0 and he played for Aberdeen that game, but he previously scored twice against Aberdeen for Hearts, including a 4-1 win at Tynecastle. There's a lot of scores going on here, a lot of switching. So I've got a couple... Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But Alan Maybury wouldn't have scored. Nope. Um, was it Velitska? Yes. Yes, get Andres Velitska, a brief spell on loan at Aberdeen in 2010, 2011. He would only score one goal for them. Came off the bench for the last 18 minutes in a 5-0 Hearts win over Aberdeen in December 2011. 10. Of I course, don't he's, remember, he scored against, remember that game. Remember he scored against um, scored against us for Rangers, didn't he? Yes. Random. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there we go. Well, good. Well, 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 good. Well done. Um, okay, question four. One of only four goals I scored for Hearts came against Aberdeen. That was a cracking goal at Tynecastle in 98. I later played for Aberdeen against Hearts. 
That was 14 years after that goal, 2012. Was it Neil McFarlane? No. Too late, though. You're thinking, I said the cracking goal was 98. The cracking goal was 98. I thought that might might tip it. Bet? Nope. No, sorry. So he, he scored for Hearts in 98, and then he went to Aberdeen. I just said he played for Aberdeen against Hearts 14 years later. 2012. I thought so... that he didn't score many goals for Hearts. He only scored four goals for Hearts. And one of them Gary was... Naismith? Correct. Yes. Um, do, I, do I get a ding ding for that? Yeah, or do I get a... nah, why not? Um, yeah, he, he obviously was was a terrific player at Hearts. And I, I don't, that goal, just, I always remember that goal of Gary Naismith's cracking finish flying into the top right corner I think at, at Tynecastle and later in his, on in his career he had a season at Aberdeen that was 2012-2013 didn't play very often but one of the games was against Hearts and it was after that season he first moved into a dual player coaching role so yeah Gary Naismith fifth and final question so yeah. this player um, I've scored at Pataudry for Hearts and I've been mm-hmm. sent off at Tynecastle for Aberdeen <sighs> Ooh. Also scored another against Aberdeen at Tynecastle as well, for what it's worth. But uh, Sevy, yes, Scott Sevy, yeah, nice. sent off for Aberdeen yes. in the Champions League game. Should we say the Tynecastle game in two thousand and six, where Hearts sealed um, qualification so to the Champions right. League. Yep. Um, but he also scored two against Aberdeen while at Hearts. One of those in a 3-1 defeat at Pataudry on a Wednesday night in December 1999, and he then scored in a 3-0 Hearts win at Tynecastle in November 2000. Okay, so this weekend, Heart of Midlothian host Aberdeen, Sunday, 3 o'clock, and we're expecting a here 17,000 for this yes. one. Yes. Um, 1300 near normality yeah there's obviously some restrictions with this whole red zone and stuff that they have to do but 17,000 I've heard maybe a bit more I don't know if that's definite yet Um, 1300 um, away fans and we're hearing there'll be a a, a twirly in in honour of Manny Salyukas in the 26th minute which will be wonderful to to see and hear Um, in terms of the game this is this is a fixture that in in recent years tends to favour the home team last five at Tynecastle Hearts have won four drawn one lost none last five at Pataudry Aberdeen have won four drawn one and lost none tends to go the way of the home team so you you would hope that we go into this with a bit of confidence Aberdeen away to Karabag on Thursday so they're going to Baku 7,000 mile round trip which is never that easy and I was looking at Carabao. They've, you know, four years ago they were in the Champions League group stages. They've been in the group stages of either the Champions League or the Europa League for the last seven years running before this. What year. an so, achievement that is, right? I mean, I didn't. It wasn't until I had a look at them. I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive. So they're no mugs. So that'll be a tough, a tough evening for Aberdeen. A tough trip, tough journey. We've got to go into this with a bit of optimism, a bit of confidence, don't we? Yeah, they're better than I thought they were going to be when we were discussing who we thought we'd finish where during the summer. But uh, I watched their game against Wraith 
Um, Seven changes, to be fair to that. Seven changes yeah, for their team. I wasn't kind of going down that road. I was going down the road of, of two key influential players um, might be missing for the Hearts game because the, the injuries to, I think, Johnny, was it Johnny Hayes and Ryan Hedges? I believe that was the, certainly Ryan Hedges got hurt. Johnny Hayes is still there, isn't he? I'm not just I'm not just making that up. No, yeah, no he is. they're the two. They're the two that they've got um, problems with. It. Certainly ahead of the Europa Conference League game, Johnny Hayes and Ryan Hedges. Um, I know there's issues. I don't know what the prognosis is, but they're definitely two big players that Stephen Glass has got concerns that won't be available for Thursday. Hedges especially is is, is a decent player. I mean, they they both started the game against Livingston. Um, where they, they won it right at the death. They won it at their best that day, but they're, they've pretty much been playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday uh, to, to begin the season. Uh, good win over Dundee United, who were poor in the first game. I watched that one. Good win in Iceland, uh, but defensively they were all over the place. Uh, that was after one of the other Scottish teams had played, so I, I caught a lot of that game against Bredeblick as well. So the highlights of the Livy game, and there's goals in that team. Uh, I, I like the, the, the big American um, they've got in attack. Christian Ramirez, good player, strong player, powerful player. That'll be a good battle, him against John Suter. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we... This is this is one of these games... I don't fancy that return journey. I mean, they're, they'll probably get back at breakfast time. On, it depends what they do. If they want to stay over, then fly back at a normal time on the Friday, they're not going to get back till Friday night. If they want to fly straight after the game, they're going to get back... They're not going to have any training on the Friday. They're going to travel down on the Saturday. So this is this is fortunate for Hearts. I think to do well in a in a league campaign, obviously, I think ninety percent of it is what you do. But you need a good bit of good fortune as well. Getting Celtic when we did first game of the season, I think that was good fortune. I think that was timely. Uh, I wouldn't wanted them at any other stage of the season. They're still getting their feet under the table. Aberdeen coming back from from the game against Carabag, bring that on. That, that this has to be the one. If you're not up for this right from the start, if you're not straight into them, take a hundred mile an hour, um, keep your heads. That's what this game is is all about. It might have been slightly different if the Carabag first leg had been at Petodri. It's not. We've got to take any opportunity we get and any advantage we've got and turn it into uh, into something in our favour. Because what are there three teams that have won their first two games and two of them meet at Tynecastle? Let's. Uh, Let's hope that we can be nine points out of nine from our first three games. Yeah, and it's always a, a tasty game, Hearts and Aberdeen. You know, two. You'd say that the two sides who have that claim to be the biggest outside of of Rangers and Celtic and Aberdeen, of Historically, course. Historically, yeah. Uh, Aberdeen, of course, have been um, doing far better than Hearts in recent years. But at Tynecastle, we've certainly had the edge. So it should be a decent atmosphere. Decent number of away fans, a lot of home fans. I'm looking forward to it. And I think one thing, fans back in, a little bit of criticism at the very least, from some angles, a lot of criticism after the game against Celtic. You really hope we approach this game very positively. And we we, we should be taking it. I mean, I would say that against Aberdeen, regardless of what's happening on Thursday, but we should be starting quick, right up at them, and using the fact that we've had... A week's rest, we should be fresh. They've had a really tough trip, regardless of what the result is. We need to go at them. I, I think it's important the way we play in this game as well as the result. We do. Um, I think the fans have got a 
big, big part to play as well. And if, if being at Town Castle, for those that didn't make the, the, the successful ballot for the Celtic game of the preseason, uh, I said last week, my mum and dad of uh, season ticket holders for decades um, can't wait. And there must be, well, it must be about 10,000 um, in the same boat as them. So if that doesn't give you the first kind of, give you a free hit for the first five, 10 minutes, then I don't know what will. But that enthusiasm needs to, to kind of be, um, it needs to be transferred so that the, the players can hear the noise of the crowd. Because we have to utilise this to our advantage. I, I don't know the situation with the away fans. Are, are Aberdeen fans allowed on Sunday? But I said that, 1,300. Sorry, 1,300. Okay, so there'll be a decent, they'll make a hell of a racket. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think... <laughs> One of the things Robbie said, and we we had a you know we had a good chat with him both times he came on, and one of the things a reason he said for what he felt was some of the low tempo and maybe lack of cutting edge or lack of intensity about games last season. He said no fans were there, played a part at Tank Castle, both from and he, his view was even if it was fans having a go at the players, that would increase the intensity and provide more energy and maybe more impetus to to push forward. <clears throat> If we go out in this game and that isn't there, that just then becomes an, an excuse that that didn't that didn't make sense of just using that as an excuse. So I think there is no excuse for us not to go out with some energy, and that's not to say you know I think most Hearts fans are reasonable. We're not saying that we should go and play Aberdeen and play three in a you know play three in attack for the entire game, never think about defending, go go at them for for ninety minutes. I think. We can go at them and we can attack and we have to be responsible as well and understand that they're a decent team. But I hope we approach this game, especially from the start, with a, a determination to take the game to Aberdeen and try and you know play it on our terms. Let's not overthink them. Yeah, you have to take into account they've got a decent striker, they've got some strong players. Scott Brown's always going to be a commanding presence. But let's not lose ourselves with overanalyzing the opposition. Let's say, well, let's play it on our terms. We've got good players in most areas of the pitch, to be fair, if everyone's fit, let's take the game to them. Let's be the ones to set the tempo. That could easily be Robbie Nielsen's team talk. He can have it that one. Be. Yeah, he can send it, it to him. It, it should. <laughs> it should be the the whole pragmatism. Fuck that. Excuse the French. Let, let's let's have a season of other teams worrying about us, not us kowtowing and. Yeah. Lying down in the in our own halves at Celtic Park and allowing them to to tickle our tummies. No, let, this is our house. This is where we hopefully will will get more points this season um, that, than we've done in in many seasons by having a go by taking it to the opposition um, by to be honest not caring who we're playing, just do it. The, the the season 0506 when Just we found ourselves well that's, seriously that's Nike's is that not I can't say that it's Nike Nike sorry mm. yes you're correct but but just 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 go and do it seriously just don't worry about just do it wearing. but just just go and do it in the in brackets that's our yeah, one so we don't get trademark sued. <laughs> just, just brackets go just do it do it but I'm 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 fed up with kind of there's respect and there's respect, right? There's respecting the opposition, but only up to a certain point. This is our house. I don't want people to come and steal from us. Just go and get three points. Get it right 
up them right from the start. Right up them, yes. Let's hope Hearts do so and we can be talking about Hearts returning to winning ways and maintaining their 100% start to the Premiership season next time we are on. Um, you can get in touch with us uh, about anything you like, but in particular, if you have a suggestion for a Scot- another Scottish football-related movie or TV production, you know, can you can you better a shot at glory? I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't that great, but can you do something? Um, tweet, uh, tweet us at Around the Funnel. Or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Um, we'll be back next week. And yeah, just really excited. Full house at Tyne Castle almost. Let's get back to winning ways. Modern hearts. Win the cup, Peter. Not prima donnas reminiscing their past glories. I, I, I used to have hair. Once upon a time.